In today's quest, Mortal Kombat was right all along. Finish him. This is the quest for power. Welcome to the Quest for Power, where we are ranking and reviewing all of the European monarchs from the early Middle Ages to World War I. We are your party members on a journey for historical knowledge, Scott and Michael, roasters, reviewers, defilers, and praisers. Of all kings and queens. Granted, we haven't done queens yet. They're on their well, way. Well, the European ones anyways. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> we can't say all of them. That is true. I, maybe next time, uh, or in, an, in a bonus one, we will rank and review Burger King, since yes. he could be a pretty great monarch. But I think I would give him a pretty good roast too. Would he? Would he? The real question is: Could he attain high king status, or would he be burnt alive, or would he just be th- made at court? I feel like McDonald's would have him burnt alive. I think that people who are high think he's a king. Oh, that, that, yeah, that could be. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. It, say, we'll get, say, we'll have to roast him next time. So, but getting back into the thick of things, all jokes aside. So, we are back to the downfall of the Vandal Kingdom. We had a lovely time following Hilderic and his quest to piss everybody off around him. Yeah, which is always a, a great thing to do when you're a monarch, is, you know, get all the powerful people around you just irritated as hell. Um, he he did not piss off one person, and, and, and it was a powerful person, but that person was all the way over in Constantinople and didn't really do him any help, which would That's be Justinian. Right. Yes, the, the, the big man himself, yes. all the way over in Istanbul. Not Constantinople. <laughs> so, but let's uh, let's also get that other announcement out of the way. We're we're jumping around like uh, a bunch of I don't know fleas. Fleas jump a lot. We are jumping around. So let's talk about about uh, making friends not just with Justinian, but making friends with us and our listeners. So give us a like on Facebook instagram quest for power pod at quest for power pod or email us at quest for power pod at gmail.com all that fun stuff and we can be your uh good friend justinian although it's a bold thing for me to say because we have not gone through the episode yet and i don't know how much of a help justinian is but we will be we will be there on the (laughs) internet yes on your quest for power (laughs) your quest for power i say because knowledge is power and we are your quest for knowledge your quest for power yeah this is off to a wonderful start how have you been i mean we we, i I can't really say like uh i don't know what you've been up to we last time we talked we were we took our love of the high seas and actually did it in real life on a cruise so we That's had our right. Little seaworthy adventure there. That's true. No, it was pretty cool because uh, having never been 
really uh, on a cruise before on the ocean. I think, as I said, it was kind of wild to uh, look out in all directions and just be like, yep, there is nothing but water. There is no land. This ship goes down. (laughs) Kind of SOL. Yeah. Yeah. No. Engineering is a fantastic thing. It blows my mind that you can have such so much stuff on one ship and it just stays afloat that you can do all the stuff. It stays afloat and it stays relatively steady. Cruise ships used to be known as like floating palaces. Now it's like a floating city. Like it even had its own mon. It even had its own main street, not mon street, main street. Yeah, yeah, that's it's mind-boggling. Yeah, it was. So that was so. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, what I say was a fan, and uh, I say having the uh, the I say having some drinks here and there helped too. So. Yeah, and it was nice to finally uh, see you in person. I mean, it's yeah. only been for what two years since Not my two wedding. Years. Yeah, <laughs> long time. Long, so, long time. Yeah, we uh, we remembered what we looked like. Yep. And uh, met some. I say met some good characters. Uh, I say on our flight back. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. All in yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you get you live the dream of uh, getting that nice little. Uh, reseating to the exit row oh that was yeah that was nice i've I, when you can fully stretch your legs all the way out and you still can't touch the other seat that on a plane that's that's the good life right there oh uh, yeah that's the good stuff <laughs> so but let's uh get to the actual uh, good stuff the meat and potatoes of the of this uh podcast if you will and let's get on to uh our story today with gelomer all right i hope you all have enjoyed your worthless pathetic kings because for a while we are gonna have some pretty powerful ones gelomer you can make up your mind on if he's powerful or not uh but we are we have someone pretty awesome for next time that i've been working on and uh i'm we'll we'll talk about it at the end of the episode but i'm pretty excited for that um Obviously, before we get into the story, we got to go into our sources. This one is really apparent in this one that this was written by the Romans. That we have no idea what the Vandals thought about or their viewpoint was during his whole reign. It was purely on the people who did not like him. Uh, Mainly Procopius, who wrote about the Vandal Wars in general with the Eastern Empire. He is more of a secular writer. And then you have Victor of Vita, who wrote about the persecution of the Catholics under the Vandals, like we talked about last time. So he's not going to be very positive on them at all. And uh, so, well, with that... On to the quest. On to the main quest. Previously on The Quest for Power... We began with the Vandal Kingdom as a small fledgling tribe, possibly from Scandinavia through the sands of time. They made their way all the way into Gaul, which is modern-day France, into Hispania, which is Spain. There, they survived several devastating blows from our previous king, Euric of the Visigoths, and eventually built up an impressive sea fleet. The legendary king Geyseric the Cruel used the sea fleet to cross into Africa and built the Vandal Kingdom on the bones of the existing Roman administration. 
later in his rule, Geyserich sailed to Rome, stripped the Eternal City of all of its possessions, including Empress Eudoxia and her two daughters, along with a few bronze roof tiles during a 14-day peaceful sack. That has got to be one of my favorite, like, talkings about a sack. The fact that you could just imagine two weeks of, like, people in your city just, you know, calmly taking crap down off your buildings <laughs> and stashing into just, their boats. Yeah, grab your morning coffee, just stand outside, look at the sunset and the, the vandals tearing <laughs> apart your temples. <laughs> what a nice little calm. <laughs> the best part of waking up is tearing your shit up. <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a disaster of an episode. Benefits of behind the scenes of recording on a Friday. (laughs) After Geyserich passed away, his powerful kingdom slowly collapsed under the watch of many kings who succeeded him. Our last king, Hilderic, as we stated in the top of the episode, managed to irritate all the powerful nobles around him, which led to his downfall, downfall, Fall and the ascension of Gelimer, our final king of the Vandal Kingdom. Something tells me that the Vandals don't uh, come out of this one very well. No, there's a reason why that um, all we know of the Vandals in today's terms is the term vandalize, which usually means to destroy, you know, leave marks and then be gone. Without further ado, I'll rise and do reverence to Gelimer, first of his name, the Usurper, King of the Alani and the Vandals. Gelimer was a was Geyserich's great-grandson and the son of Gelerus, who was our <laughs> King Thrasmus, Thrasamun's younger brother. Quite a, quite a brother-sister thing going on there. Well... That family is uh, nothing but messed up at this point. Yeah. he. <laughs> it is said he was thought to be the best warrior of his time. He was a cunning man and had an insatiable lust for the money of others. I love that part. I have never heard of it put that way before. I'll say, Papa Geyserich would be proud. He, he really would. While Hilderic was busy antagonizing the nobles, Gelimer was at work developing relationships with the nobles. And here's a little quote from Procopius that the DM's voice will be in use for. He was no longer able to restrain his thoughts, but allying himself with all of the noblest of the Vandals, he persuaded them to wrest the kingdom from Hilderic as being an unwarlike king who had been defeated by the Moors. Thus, Gelimer seized the supreme power and imprisoned Hilderic, and also Homer and his brother Hogius, and he had ruled the Vandals for seven years. Gelimer was crowned king of the Alani and the Vandals on June 15th, 530. As discussed by Procopius, this was a welcome change to the majority of the disgruntled nobles in the unwarlike ways of Hilderic and his suspiciously pro-Roman tendencies. Yeah, that was a problem. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah, the Vandals hate the Romans and it's generally not to be, oh, I like the Romans when, you know, everyone in your society has grown up hating them. 
it's just not gonna work out well yeah i can't imagine the romans were very fond of them either oh yeah no they yeah they they remembered a lot of the things that geyseric did for many many years even though most of those people were no longer around if if any of them are longer around well you know that's how uh that's how grudges are right yeah well not long after he had seized power Gelimer received messages from Emperor Justinian demanding that Gelimer wait for his turn at kingship until Hilderic's natural death. He basically went, you wait your turn. You took your crown away from your, your uh, family member and that's wrong. You, sh you know better. Mom that's said right. it's my turn with the crown. Yeah. <laughs> Gelimer replied to these demands going, yeah, no. I think I will keep the crown. It's kind of shiny. It's got a little ruby on it. I like it. I actually like it a lot. I think I'm going to keep it. He's he wants that coin. Yeah, he's got he wants gotta... that face on the coin. <laughs> that's it. Yes, that's what he wanted all along. He gave the excuse to Justinian's emissaries that Hilderic was planning on changing Geyseric's succession law to give the crown to the closest relatives rather than the oldest male of the line. And then he then sent his emissaries back on their way to Constantinople, being like, pretty much, go tell Justinian to pound sand. As soon as the emissaries were on their way, Gelimer then went... Bring me Hilderic's close relative, Homer, and he blinded him to prevent him from ever becoming king. Wow. Now, I know this sounds harsh. This is par on the course in medieval times, uh, especially in court intrigue. Instead of outright killing threats, you can also take the path of gouging their eyes out. Ugh. That's, uh, I feel like killing probably... I, yeah. Sounds simpler, doesn't it? I would, I don't understand the whole gouging the eyes out instead of just killing them. Unless it's like to humiliate it's, them? One, I cri mean, one crime is more unforgivable than the other. Yeah, you just want them to, uh, I was about to say, see your victory, but obviously that's not the intent here. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's that. But also, a lot of them did die later from you know their eyes being gouged out as you would expect it's not like they're doing some high technique of you know gouging their eyes out probably just taking like a knife i, I have the no finest idea. surgeons in europe yeah the finest surgeons in europe at the time although some societies at this time just force someone to shave their head and force them to be a monk and that accomplishes the same thing but, you, you know, the vandals don't do anything half-assed. They got to make sure that he can never see again. It wasn't long before the emissaries were back and annoying him again in the throne room. And Justinian demanding that he send Hilderic, Homer, and Hogus to Constantinople. All right, if you're not going to take care of them nicely, at least bring them to here. And and uh, blind them all. Gelimer, send them. Yeah, <laughs> that that would have been that would have been awesome. Actually, uh, that would have been great in a horrifying sense. Anytime we say something cooler, that it's 
it's because it's we're far removed from it and it we're looking at it characters wise he basically went to the emissaries you think i'm stupid i'm just gonna get <laughs> i'm just gonna give you the biggest threat to my power no 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 and then he proceeds to uh tell them to take this back to their meddling emperor and he hands them a little note uh, that they are going to say that Scott will then once again use his great DM voice for. All right. Let's see. I'm already sensing a little bit of sass here. Um, it feels it feels sassy to me because we kind of uh, have a little inferred truth here. But all right. <clears throat> King Gelimer to the Emperor Justinian. Neither have I taken the office by violence, nor has anything unholy been done by me to my kinsmen. For Hilderic, while planning a revolution against the House of Geyseric, was dethroned by the nation of the Vandals. I was called to my kingdom by my years, which gave me preference according to the law. Now, it is well for one to administer the kingly office which belongs to him and to not make the concerns of his others his own. Hence for you also, who have a kingdom, meddling in others' affair is not just. And if you break the treaty and come against us, we shall oppose you with all our power, calling to witness the oaths which were sworn by Zeno, from whom you have received the kingdom which you hold. Mic drop. What an eloquent way of telling <laughs> Justinian to go to hell. Yeah, it, it really, I don't know, it feels sassy to me, but I, I know it. it's a very, I know it's a very official decree. Oh, yeah. Because we're, we're, you know, we, we know that he uh, obviously did not obtain his, his kingship lawfully. It sounds, it sounds sassy when you know I, the I, truth. <laughs> I agree. I, I enjoy it very much. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. I'm just the Mr. Lawful over here. Yeah, he was going to overthrow the kingdom of Geyseric, which I think is what the Vandal kingdom should be called. Because yeah. he is the only king to really do anything. The only real king. Now, if you notice in that quote, when they say, all sworn by Zeno, if anyone's confused by that, Zeno was a predecessor of Justinian, and they were all sworn by him, basically, that he will leave the Vandals alone, as yeah. long as they had some sort of agreement going Just on. Just read, read into that, the, the last line does say that, from who you have received the kingdom which you hold. Yeah. That does, that does imply predecessorship. Shortly after telling the Emperor to stop meddling in the affairs of others, Geyseric received reports from spies that there was a massive fleet building up in Constantinople. So, that, that's, that's probably, yeah, you're like, alright, well, here we go. The young Emperor Justinian rushed to conclude a war in Persia, brutally put down revolts in his empire... Also, he could devote 100% of the Empire's firepower to destroying the Vandal Kingdom for the slight of being called an equal by Gelimer. Because in the, in the letter, Gelimer pretty much called himself an equal, and Justinian's like, how dare you call yourself an equal? He's gonna learn today. <laughs> 
Yeah. When we go into Justinian's reign, which will be a little bit down the road, uh, we're going to go into more details about this. Just know Justinian had a big aspirations of restoring the whole mighty empire of Rome. So this was a big miscalculation by Gelimer. Granted, yeah. I probably would have told Justinian to pound sand as well. Yeah, I don't know. It's big talk from someone who uh, lived in a kingdom that was getting swarmed by the Moors. So, I, yeah, yeah, especially when you've got like the Eastern Roman Empire is nothing compared to the Western Roman Empire. The Eastern Roman Empire got stronger yeah. while the, the Western one I, fell apart. Yeah, I uh, yeah would not want to try and square myself up against uh, Mr. Uh, empire co inferiority complex <laughs> that's a great way of putting it shortly after he received news about justinian mobilizing forces another messenger came by and informed him that there was a revolt in tripolania by the local population this is modern day libyan coast okay. to make matters worse he was also informed that justinian sent forces to aid those rebels Sounds about right. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Proxy war. Yeah, uh, never seen that before. Yeah, and then and then you know, bad news doesn't come in twos; it comes in threes. Shortly after that messenger departed, another one rode up to replace him, and went. I got more bad news for you. The governor in Sardinia, which is you know a, a little island east of Italy has revolted and justinian is openly negotiating with that governor wow so justinian he he really didn't like gelimer it, it is basically what it comes down to it's kind of interesting well you know i think it's just taking advantage of uh, a weak king weak vandal kingdom and if yeah. you're really trying to restore your uh, former glorious empire then get some uh free some freebie points here i have a feeling if justinian wasn't around gelimer could have reformed the vandal kingdom but because justinian is around and he wants the roman empire back to its former glory and he's going to use all of his resources to do that that he's kind of sol yeah but but, Scott, you're Gelimer in this situation. You just heard of a big buildup of a fleet over in Constantinople. Tripolanian locals have risen up against you. And your governor in Sardinia has decided that I like to rule by myself. Thank you very much. What's your next action? What, jeez. What's, uh... <laughs> I got some choices for you, so we can have a multiple choice quest uh test. that's it we're that's it we're uh we're we're marching we're marching our troops marching our troops where oh jeez so say could... if it's say if constantinople wasn't so darn far away <laughs> so you could build up your forces and supplies and your defenses all at carthage let justinian use sardinia as a possible launching point basically hold back get ready you know brace yourself for invasion you could put down the revolt in Tripolania, go deal with that first, and then that way Justinian doesn't have a place to land to launch his invasion off of. Or, 
I am sorry. You could put down the revolt in Tripolania so you kind of sure up, you know, the issues going on within your own kingdom before you try and deal with outside threats. Or you go invade and retake take Sardinia before Justinian can use it as a launching point for an African invasion. Or do you just wave the white flag and submit to Justinian's demands? I mean, what are his demands? He just he say he wants the rulers? Uh, basically, you wait your turn. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough one. So. Yeah, no, I say we're I say we got to go after Sardinia. Well, sounds like a pain. Yeah, let's just let's just head this off at the pass. Well, you would have chosen what Gelimer chose. He also oh, did God. that. Oh God, this is the last Vandal King. <laughs> he sent a good portion. I can't portion. change history. He sent a good portion of his troops to recapture Sardinia, as you, you have stated. This is going to be a pretty fatal decision. Wow. In didn't five, do it well enough. In 533, he was campaigning against the Moors. So he must have decided also, like, I'm going to send the majority of my troops to Sardinia, but I'm going to go further south into Africa and campaign against some of the Moors there. So he Ugh. was four days south of Carthage, and he received unwelcome news that Rome had invaded Caput Vada in Africa and was in striking distance of Carthage at the lead of Justinian's top general, Belisarius. Woof. <laughs> so immediately, he sends orders to his brother in Carthage, and he tells him, first you execute Hilderic and the other prisoners. Good job. All right. I mean, yeah, that's... that's I don't blame him. That's the smart thing to do. Then you are to gather all of the men and join Gelimer at Ad Decat Decinium, which is Latin for the 10th Roman milepost. This is about 9.2 miles south of Carthage. Okay. At Decimum, Gelimer plans to ambush and destroy Belisarius's army. This is a really, actually, this is a brilliant move on his point. This is a really good spot for an ambush because where he chose it, there was a tiny gap between the salt marsh and the sea. And Gelimer knew that Belisarius would use the Roman roads because that's what Romans do. And it yep. was in a geographic location to prevent backup from Belisarius's well-equipped fleet. Mm. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good, pretty good base. So the, the plan is for Amatis to hold the road at Carthage, his brother, and when the Romans are fully engaged with Amatis, Gelimer and his nephew Gigabund will collapse and onto their flank and rear. So, you know, you're going to kind of sandwich them. Yeah. No, it's good tactics. The problem is, is there's no walkie-talkies. Yeah, that is... Uh, or cell phones or satellite phones. So uh, upon approaching the anticipated battlefield, Gelimer catches the Roman cavalry scout scouts off guard among several bodies of what seems like a fresh battlefield with signs of fighting and the dead and the wounded. So he just rolls up on the scene and it looks like he 
already got like oh my like there already was a hey, battle he was already in late the to place. the party he was already yeah. late to the party and he didn't like it was he didn't realize that you know there was something that happened Gelimer then clashed with the confused Romans who were confused themselves because they were also running into that. It turns out like there was like scouting parties ahead that were ambushing and the two main armies were not aware of this. <laughs> so Gelimer's cavalry sends the confused Romans fleeing back to Belisarius's anticipated direction. So now Gelimer is in a position to deal Belisarius a seriously gut punch. If he pursues these Romans con that are confused and retreating, they're heading straight for Belisarius's men who are uh, unaware of all of the chaos that is going on and they are just setting up camp. Yeah. However, he discovers the body of his brother and he is overcome by grief, which you can imagine that would be pretty rough. He halts everything and oversees a proper burial for his brother. Oh, jeez. I get it. I really get it. And I don't. This is the Christian sources. I don't know if this exactly is what happened, but I get it. Like you want to do that, but you have like your entire kingdom hanging in the balance here. Yeah, the vandal, uh, the vandal way of life is the warrior's way of life. Yeah, you gotta, you, you have, you have to delegate that to someone else, and you've got to reorganize your men, and then go after and follow the the Romans who are clearly fleeing, and you know, charge them down. So, while they're doing that, Gilmer doesn't realize that with his men in time that um, Roman charge and cavalry fall on the vandals with devastating results because, you know, the fleeing, <laughs> the, the, basically what happened is that the Roman cavalry who was fleeing away told Belisarius everything that happened. Belisarius basically, you know, scolded them for being cowards and then got them and then they fell back onto Gelimer. So he has to flee west. He leaves Carthage wide open to the Romans. So he just lost his capital. Not not doing well. Brilliant tactics. He had a good plan. There was just so much confusion in the fog of war that he really didn't know what was going on. And I have a feeling that there are some things that are being told that are not being told because, you know, I doubt the Romans knew everything that was going on in Gelimer's camp. So remember that fleet that was sent to quell the rebellion over in Sardinia? Yeah. Well, yeah. they completed their task. They Good overthrew the governor, and now they're headed back to Africa. And he regroups with them at Bol Bola Regia, which is west of Af which is west of Carthage. And he grabs his now fully armed troops again, restocked, ready to go, and he advances to his capital. All right. His forces spot Belisarius's cavalry, and they form into a battle formation while the Romans are preparing for lunch. So Romans are once again, they are caught off guard. They're just sitting there making lunch and, you know... He gets up and is ready to go after them. But for some reason, 
he doesn't do anything. He doesn't he doesn't exploit this huge advantage he has and he lets the Romans deploy in full formation rather than destroy them when they were caught off guard. Gotta have that honorable battle, I guess. I, uh, that is the only thing I can think of, or the Catholic sources are telling us something that we are missing. But It's, uh, it's say we had the divinity and uh, just kind of came in the holy light, blinded uh, Gelmer's uh, forces, and yeah. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. That, know, that's what it, happened. A fog settled in. So while he was sitting there doing nothing, the Roman infantry caught up with their comrades, and then the Romans formed their limes, and then they clashed in the battle. Brilliant. A little bit of advice. Quest for power advice. This goes for board games, business, life goals. When you have your th- your your when you have your boot on your enemy's neck, you step on it. You do not give up you do not let up you press forward until your goal is complete otherwise this is what happens never let up your yeah your uh, sunshine and uh your sunshine and daisies version is don't give up and stop on your dreams well that's the sunshine and daisies version i'm saying like oh <laughs> i want to be nice to them you know uh, we're playing a good board game and i want to be nice i don't want to outright slam them i've had this happen to me many a times i'll be like i'll be like yeah i'll be nice i'll let up a little bit and then i get crushed because i let up an inch that's right you give them an inch so, back to gellimer's questionable decision making the result of the battle is predictable it is a decisive defeat leaving 800 vandal warriors dead on the battle battlefield while rome only lost 50 men oh yeah that's pretty bad that is what in rome total war they would call a heroic victory or defeat depends on who you're who you're <laughs> yeah. siding with yeah vandal's nightmare isn't quite over and it's about to get worse the warriors take refuge in the, their camp, which contains all of their wealth, and more importantly, their families. You Lovely. see, when these warriors came, their families were with them. It's the barbarian way of fighting. It is the women almost shame the men, putting the, themselves in harm's way so their men will go fight for them. It is... Uh, it is a unique way and it's why a lot of the barbarian tribes are very fierce especially when we are going to deal with the franks later this is especially common with them well it uh it makes sense although i think there's also another reason why some barbarian tribes may have died out <laughs> yeah yeah it works when it works but when it doesn't yeah uh, we're about to see what happens so Belisarius isn't as nice as Gelimer, and he approaches the camp. Gelimer flees, and the result is devastating. The Romans descend on the camp, slaughter the men, enslave the women and children, and they take everything. Basically, they did a reverse Uno card on the Vandals. Well, yeah, we saw this coming. Yep. 
Gelomer flees to the mountains and is pursued one of by one of Belisarius's generals, John. What a great... I, I wonder what the real name was, but for our purposes, his name is apparently was John. All right. Luckily for Gelimer, John was accidentally killed by one of his own men. <laughs> well, you hate to see it happen. Now, you might be wondering, how do you get killed by one of your own men in pursuit of a fleeing king? That's not hard. <laughs> so the story goes that one of his men was drunk and he shot an arrow at a bird <laughs> Which missed and hit John in the neck. That's a lot better than <laughs> than most stories you'd hear. I mean, yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah. The Romans call themselves civilized. I don't, I don't know if that's quite civilized, but that's, I don't know. I know it's horrible, but it's funny. At the I mean, same time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like... yeah. I mean, it's all. I, I say it's a tad ironic when, like, you know, warriors you know, die on the battlefield, but not through battle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gelimer holds himself up in Mount Pap Papuia, a little distance southeast of Hippo Regis, which again is in um, northern Africa. The Romans blockaded the mountain, and they set up like a quasi-siege. Basically a big blockade. Mm -hmm. Geyserk's not coming down. So remember in Geyserk's episodes, sieges are just as hard on the people holding the siege, along with costing more time and resources for the people who are sieging. Yep. Well, the Roman general Ferris grew really weary of the tedious blockade, and he attempted to take it by force, but the Vandals were so well defended and high up that they just drove them right back. Mm-hmm. Despite these successes, his family was starving and the winter conditions were brutal. So they must have been really high up in the mountains to be um, dealing with brutal winter conditions in Africa. But according okay. to Procopius, Gelimer saw two children fighting over scraps of bread. And then he finally agreed to surrender on the following terms proposed by the Romans. I'll let you read the terms. All right. It is the wish of Emperor Justinian to have you enrolled in the Senate, thus sharing the highest honor and being a patrician, as we term that rank, and to present you with the spacious and good and great sums of money. And Belisarius is willing to make himself responsible for you having all of these things and to give you pledges. Are you taking that? Well... You're starving. You have. Yeah. You're at your wits end. I mean, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. I mean, unless you're uh, really dedicated to your cause of uh, telling Justinian to pound sand. The other thing is, do you think the Romans are actually gonna follow through on this? Just oh, little... of course not. <laughs> <laughs> it is here in the spring of 534. Gelomer surrenders, and it brings an end to the kingdom Geyseric founded just 95 years earlier the romans retook all of africa all the way up to the strait of gibraltar good for them bad for the bad for the uh the vandals but good for them yeah yeah good restoring the might of rome it must have been so proud well they were very proud gelimer was paraded through the streets of constantinople as a prisoner in belisarius's triumph have we talked about triumphs yet? 
Hmm. Don't think we have. But this is a, I, this is actually ringing some bells. But this is a thing in ancient Rome, and this is very high level. I don't have any notes yeah, you on. Captured, me. You'd capture like your high-ranking opponents, and you'd parade them throughout the empire, right? Yeah. Uh, Julius Caesar had many triumphs. So what it is is you are like the ultimate ruler for that day. You are like the god for that day in the days of the old republic. Um, Keys, key to the city pretty much and you <laughs> things are written in your honor it is a great glorious parade essentially now we didn't think the romans would hold up their end of the bargain they did gelimer was given a luxurious estate in galatia which is modern day turkey and here he lived out the rest of his days in comfort with his family he wasn't given the rank of patrician since the fine print read that he would have to convert from his Aryan religion to the Nicene Creed, which he obviously refused. Small price to pay for, you know, getting treated incredibly generously. Yeah. Especially... All he had to do was uh, become a, a, a little uh, a circus uh, a circus man for a day or, well, yeah. for probably months. Yeah, all you had to do is just be humiliated, but then you get to live out in luxury. I mean, there's yeah. that's that's better than a peasant's way of life. I no <laughs> so, responsibilities. Yeah, he he essentially retired. He lost yeah. the Super Bowl and retired. <laughs> and it just goes to show that no matter how bad things get, it'll be okay as long as you're rich and <laughs> yeah. powerful. Yes. <laughs> There were several other uprisings by the Vandals in an attempt to restore the Vandal Kingdom, but all were eventually defeated. Yeah. So, to sum up the legacy of the Vandal Kingdom, there's no buildings, no art, no poets, no philosophers. They fell just as quickly as they rose to prominence, and all we really have from them is the word vandalism, which is associated with wanton destruction. Although, didn't we have a couple uh, Vandal kings who uh, were uh, patricians of the arts? Yes, but none of those arts survived. Well, you know, no probably, probably Van- on account of all the revolting and being uh, demolished yeah. by Rome. Correct. Like, Rome probably destroyed those, or they were Romanized. Essentially, we have nothing of the Vandal culture. We have no idea what the Vandal culture was. Yeah, other we than aren't, uh, we aren't fighting with our families yeah yeah well fighting yeah yeah how do we um assassinate as many uh relatives as possible without being taken out yourself well that's something you can uh all talk about uh you and listeners can talk about with your families over the next thanksgiving dinner <laughs> there you go <laughs> Like the Visigothic kingdom of Toulouse, the Air- being Aryan was the big reason for their downfall. It is the down- reason for the downfall of so many barbarian kingdoms. If they would have just, at the time of conversion, been converted to Nicene Christianity, we would have a very different world. Well, it's, uh, it's always kind of fun to think about that... Uh... You know, you can attribute their demise to Jesus may have been a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I agree. 
That is, yeah, that is kind of funny when you boil it down. Next week, we are going to once again jump into the crumbling remains of Rome, but we are going to be discussing Attila the Hun. Whoop! So, he is a fun king, and I think a lot of our power um, rating systems are going to be destroyed once we go through him. Uh, Much he's, like everything else he touched. He It is a fun, <laughs> fun research, but oh boy, is he... I would never want to meet him, let's put it that way. Well, maybe with like, uh, like a bulletproof vest and everything else, you know, and you know a good hundred yards away (laughs) (laughs) all righty with that are you ready to rate gallimer yeah let's go royal power all right so my thoughts when researching this gallimer is the first time really in all of our podcasts that we have a roller coaster king he shows great courage he's a cunning man he sees his power and then for some reason he collapses his power rises up into the six and sevens until about 533 and then it plummets down to zero but he gets to retire in luxury so about a one or two he had many many times to rewrite history the one thing I will give him is the Vandals were not well to e- were not well equipped to handle snap decisions in battle, which Romans were the absolute pros at. It would be like an NFL team playing against a college team. So we have to give him some points for acquiring power when he sees the throne, but that's it. He didn't really wield it effectively, and he lost the kingdom ultimately. Yeah, I'll give him a two. Just because he's, uh, you know, he obviously main- he got some power and he maintained enough of it to uh, not have everything just revolting during a siege. Not that you have a ton of choice during a siege, but like things, didn't, you know, he more, it sounds more or less that he maintained control of things even when things went poorly. I, so... think, I think I'll give him a little bit more. I think I'll give him like a three. I think he really gave the Romans a run for their money, except for a few questionable decisions. Again, the problem is, is like we get everything from the Romans point of view and we have no idea if those questionable decisions were even true or not. Yeah. So, yeah, a three and a two for five. All right infamy all right so essentially for infamy he usurped the throne he ordered the death of his family members when everything went south he returned the kingdom to the good old days of persecuting christians and he's the reason the vandal kingdom is no more i feel like none of that's really infamous that is true i will give him a a one point for persecuting (laughs) christians because that's scandalous by uh today's age and kind of back then, too, depending on which kingdom you were allied with. I was going to say, if you were allied with the Visigoths, you'd be like, yeah, screw those Christians. But if you were allied with Rome, they they wouldn't take to that too kindly. Yeah, Nicene Christians, yeah. Yeah, Nicene Christians, not just regular. Not, not, not your garden variety. On to the next. Religious passion. All right, so for religious passion, he reinstituted the persecution of the Catholics upon usurping the throne. 
and he refused to convert to Catholicism despite probably great pressure and being at the mercy of the, you know, <laughs> the Romans when he was captured. Yeah, uh, I'm willing to give like a four, I guess. It's not, you know, reinstituting persecution is uh, fairly passionate, and it's. I'd say that there is some level, but it sounds like that him not converting in the end was not at great risk. In the end, but how do you know that at the time? Like you were saying last week, are you going to tell your king, you know, that... <laughs> I mean, gonna... he's already at all of their mercy during this whole time. I mean, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's see here. I, yeah, I couldn't find too much important things like that he was really passionate about. So I'd, I'll give him a four for those as well. All right. For a total of eight. Stability. All right. So out of five, how how much do you think uh, stability there? Ten. I'm kidding. It's zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kingdom collapsed. And the Vandals are no more. Alaric II didn't even make the Visigoths go ex- extinct. His kingdom fell, but the Visigoths still stayed in power. Yeah, so. I think he just had bad luck syndrome, but we'll, we can elaborate on that later. <laughs> yeah. All right, royal demise. Zero. He lived out the rest of his days in luxurious state, luxurious estate in Turkey. That must be nice. That'd be pretty nice. All right legacy all right so for legacy this is all i have he is the last of the vandal kings and can you think of anything uh i mean if you count i suppose that uh he was helping with uh some of the last hurrahs uh in re in the attempts of reclaiming the more western side of the roman empire (laughs) and (laughs) That's a bit of a stretch. I can't give him a single point in legacy. Yeah, he left no. nothing behind. His his kingdom crumbled to dust. Boy, he's uh for as an impressive of a human being this person was, did not score particularly high. Oof. How how much total did we get here? A whopping fifteen. Okay, so how long do you think he ruled in his entire reign? Seven years. <laughs> Give it about four. He in which direction? Did um in June of five thirty all the way to March five thirty four. Hmm. Yeah. Which that kind of sounds about right with the timeline of things. That must have been a very bang bang sort of events in his <laughs> once he took over. At a very exciting time. Alrighty, the question we've all been waiting for. What shall his fate be? Shall he be raised to high king, reduced to a minor lord, or does he deserve to be burnt at the stake? He's a he's a regrettable uh, burning. Really? I think he should be a minor lord. He uh, ended up being a minor lord in a luxurious estate at the end. He did yeah, give the Romans a run for their money. Yeah, but... Like I said... It feels like if it were any other time, if he had shown up like one or two rulerships earlier, he probably would have been better off. But 
this is our yeah i could see that this is our first disagreement and i think just because we want to make it a harsh grading system the lower one wins so he gets burned Oof. at the stake ha one add one more to the pile that's it for Gallimer and the Vandal Kingdom. Let us know what you thought of the Vandals. Did you, do you think they are worthy of being talked about in history? I personally think just Geyseric is worthy of being talked about. The rest of them, I already forgot most of their reigns. And, you know, it was, uh, it was there and they probably will be more worth talking about when you talk about uh, either Roman history or the Moors. Yes. There will be more yes. context because yes. they'll be like, well, you mean Africa wasn't just a, you know, an empty space? No, there were, there were people living there. Geyseric, Very powerful people. Geyseric actually will make a entrance into next episode because I think by the way they're talking about events in the sources, and I'm sure, like, if I flat out look it up, it's true. I think Geyseric and Attila the Hun were alive at the same time. That's fun. Which is pretty cool in my book. They could have been best buds. They really could have. They both enjoyed a brutal murder. Yeah. Even if you're listening to our podcast years after this is published, and we are probably way better at this, don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, we created this podcast because we love talking about history and we want to share that passion with all of you. You can message us via Messenger on Facebook and Instagram at Quest for Power, or you can email us at QuestForPowerPod at gmail.com. If you would like to support what we do here, please get, leave us a review or subscribe on whatever platform you use. However, we will re re read all five-star reviews posted to ch podchaser.com slash whatever the quest for power. You just search it, and the link will be in the show notes. And thank you if you have made it this far in the episode. We Next week, I was planning on doing Attila the Hun as a future Patreon episode, but as I kept re reading about him... He really kicks off the Dark Ages, and it would be a shame to not include him in our big overall story of Europe. Until next time, the king is dead. Long live the king!